Rocky Band. Just pray with me before we begin. Heavenly Father, we've been talking about Paul. And Paul was in a world that was dying to know who you are. And Lord, we pray that we too are in a world that is dying to know who you are and that you will move in us to make us disciples, make us willing to reach out into this world in which we live to try to make people more like Jesus. Amen. We've been journeying through Acts as we've been talking about Paul. I'm going to step away from Acts this morning and talk about some of the things that Paul has to say about... Which button do I press? That one. About being disciplined. Discipline is a noun and it is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behaviour using punishment to correct disobedience. When we discipline children, you are either teaching them to be well behaved or by punishing them or correcting them. Now, if this was the subject that I was talking about, I would be a very poor person to choose. My children will tell you, just ask Matthew, that if their mother ever said, just wait till your father gets home, they'd believe they dodged a bullet. You see, I've got this cute Achilles heel. I didn't misspeak. I mean, I've got an Achilles heel that is susceptible to cute. You might say it's an acute, cute Achilles heel. I'll give you an example. When Anastasia was three and a half years old, I think, we were having breakfast together, and she said, I've finished my egg, Papa. Please may I have some cereal? Now, you know that in training children, you're trying to make them be well-mannered. And I thought, yes, this is wonderful manners. So I got the bowl of cereal and I put it in front of her. And she said, I want milk. I said, I beg your pardon? She said, I want milk. I said, what would a little girl with good manners say? And she grabbed a handful of rice bubbles, shoved them in her mouth and said... I can't talk, I've got food in my mouth. <laughs> Four years later, Evangelina, three and a half years old, she came into the kitchen and said, I want juice. Now, I've been working on this cute Achilles heel, and I said to her, beg your pardon? She said, I'll get a cup. And she went over to the cupboard, took out a cup, brought it over, popped it on the bench, she said, that'll be useful. And she stood there and she said, Papa, you're not putting juice in my cup. And I said, think about it. She thought and she looked at me and she looked at the cup and looked at the fridge. And she said, please, Papa, may I have some juice? I said, yes. So I poured her some juice. So I succeeded. I'm getting better. It's taken me four years, but I'm getting better. A few days later, I took Anastasia to the library. Now, Anastasia's a real bookworm, and she found this book that she was reading. 
And she was really chortling away at this book. And I said, what's that book you've got? She said, oh, it's a fabulous book. It's terrific. I want to borrow it. And I looked at the title and it was Old MacDonald Heard a... Well, I'm not going to use that word because it's not polite. It starts with F and it means flatulence. <laughs> and she's chortling away looking at this book, having a great old laugh at it. And I said, no, you can't borrow it. She said, oh, please, Papa, it's great. Look, it's got descriptions on how to make all the animal noises with your tongue and your teeth and all of those sorts of noises. I said, no, no, you can't do it. You can't take it. I'm not going to give in because I'm a different person now. She said to me, please, Papa, please, I want to take it home. I said, what would your father say if I took that book home? And she said, well, we won't know until we do it, will we? <laughs> Twang! The acute Achilles heel went and I let her bring it home. When I got home, when I got home, Matthew came home to pick Anastasia up and saw the book on the table. And he said, Papa, did you let her borrow this? And I looked at Anastasia and I said, see? <laughs> and she said, well, now we know. <laughs> Discipline has another description, another meaning. Discipline is a noun and it is also the ability to control a mental activity. So, as a verb, if you are disciplined, if you discipline yourself to be carefully controlled in the way that you work, live or behave, especially to achieve a goal. Now, I'm a Toastmaster and in Toastmasters it's a club where you give speeches and I've been a Toastmaster for 15 years and over the time I've given about 60 speeches. A Toastmaster speech lasts seven minutes. Now, I know you're all thinking that, good, this is going to be a short <laughs> sermon. I said to Matthew, this is, you know, I'm a hardwired to only spend seven minutes giving a speech. And he said, well, all you have to do is have five points, speak for seven minutes on each of them. That's 35 minutes plus your intro. So you'll be within the normal speech of CFC Church of 40 minutes. What did I do? I pressed the button the wrong way, I'm sorry. So, I've got five points. We're going to be talking about studying God's word, solitude, spending time in prayer, service and spiritual friendship. These are disciplines that Paul has been teaching us through all of his writings. In all of his attempts to make us more like Jesus, Paul is teaching us these disciplines. First one we're going to talk about is studying God's word. Now, Josh Edwards is my inspiration really for this whole series that I'm talking about on discipline. When he spoke to us a few weeks ago about being disciplined in studying the word, Josh was talking about the training. If you were here that day, you will remember he was talking about the training of the men who were going to be fighting for David's taking control of the kingdom. It was God's will for David to be king. And so David had a 
group of warriors gathered around him who were training, some of them training their whole lives for this message. This is what Josh had to say. God showed me that, what he, that he wanted me to train in his scripture, that he wanted us, that he wanted to use this training to carry out his purpose for my life. Consistency and obedience are important to God. Like with physical training, it's critical to how well we face life's challenges. In Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, Paul speaks about being disciplined like an athlete in our walk with God when he writes, Don't you realise that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I often went off plan. Whoops. What did I do? I'm sorry, I cut you off short, Josh. That was a mistake. Josh went on to say that he, uh, he has been disciplining himself in studying the word and in growing in Christ through studying his word. He said at the end of that thing, and I, I inadvertently cut him short, he said that he has been growing in Christ through studying his word. Now, we are frequently challenged as Christians as we might have family members who are not part of, the, part of Christ. We might have friends that we meet at work and often people are challenging us. But if we're not in the scriptures, if we don't know the words, we don't have the armour that we need to respond. Ephesians 6, 14 to 18, Paul talks about having armour that we need to fight the battles that we are going to face as we walk through our Christian life and we encounter people who do not believe. People that we are trying to reach out to to help them to understand our faith and where we're going. It talks about having the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Be ready to face life as it comes. Be armed with the gospel. Have the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When we have all of this armour at our disposal, we are in a position to face what comes. Listen to what Paul has to say in 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 to 17. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have, convi and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
We've talked many times here in this room about studying the Bible, reading the, the Word, the Bible plan that we have as a church to help us read through the Scriptures. St Augustine said that the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. It really means that we need to be immersing ourselves in everything that's in the Bible so that we can be armed with what is being taught there. Marilyn was talking about how God can bring to you all of a sudden a revelation and that's his Holy Spirit that we can read the same verse several times and all of a sudden it comes to you. All of a sudden God will speak into your life, into your heart and help you to understand what the scriptures are talking about. He reveals things to you at the most amazing times and unexpected times. So we are encouraged by Paul to study the scriptures, understand the Bible and know what God has to say through his word. Next discipline is solitude. Solitude is a state or a situation of being alone or without other people. As you read through the scriptures, you find many occasions where God's people have found a need to get away, to find solitude, find some space where they are alone and not distracted. Abraham, Moses, David, Job, Job tried, a lot of people came and interrupted him. John the Baptist and of course Jesus himself found time that he needed or they needed to get away and find peace, be alone. Paul writes about this in Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 to 18. Listen to what he has to say. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years... I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter. When Paul talks about the gospel, he's talking about good news. Gospel means good news. Paul was in the process of virtually writing the gospel as we know it today, but he's talking about the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. When he talks, we talk about solitude, we're talking about spending time with God. A time where you draw away, you don't have your mobile phones, you don't have people to interrupt you, 
you want to spend time with God. A little bit different to times of prayer, but it is a time when you just try to seek what God's will is for your life. You're waiting on him to give you guidance. As you're spending those times in prayer, Marilyn before talked about walking around in the kitchen. She was by herself, obviously, doing the things that she does, praising God, worshipping his holy name, and all of a sudden God spoke to her. This is what we're looking for as we're having these times of solitude. In a time of solitude, it is a good idea if you go to a quiet place, you take your Bible with you and maybe just read a passage or two and just ask God to speak to you through that passage. Wait on him to help you to find a deeper understanding of what is being said to you through that. You are wanting to equip yourself for service. As we talked about in the earlier segment about reading the Bible, understanding it, but you are equipping. Paul went away for three years after, his, after he was converted on that Damascus road. He went away for three years and just waited on Jesus to give him all that he needed to know and he was being equipped for service. We don't need to go away for three years as we have our quiet time. We call a quiet time a time when you draw away from all the other distractions and you just spend that time with God. We don't want to do it for three years, but maybe three hours a week is enough. Maybe you could manage that, three hours a week. Time in solitude is a time when God can speak into your hearts, into your minds and help you to grow. When you're in these times of solitude, obviously you will spend time in prayer. But the time in prayer is not the whole purpose of solitude. When you're going away into that solitude, into that quiet time, you are waiting on God to speak into your life, wanting God to speak to you through either reading a passage or so forth. When you're praying, you are spending time with, with God. Paul said, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5. 16 and 18. He said, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Romans 8, 26. God was the centre of Paul's universe. Paul prayed for others spent most of his time praying for others. Listen to what Paul prayed for the Ephesians in chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Prayer to Paul was important. You read about his prayer all the way through his scriptures. Prayer requires you to listen to God. You need to approach prayer with a pure heart. You need to acknowledge the direction of the Holy Spirit as you're praying. Don't put your own plans first. You are praying for other people. Praise God for what God is doing. As Marilyn said earlier, expect God to answer. And remember, no is an answer. Always pray in accordance with God's will. Persevere. Don't just feel that you can pray once and God's going to answer you. We need to persevere in our prayers and give the glory to God. Paul really prayed for himself. He did, however, in 2 Corinthians 12, he did pray for himself. He said in chapter 12, verses 7 to 9, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. Three times I pleaded to the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about the weakness so that God's power may rest on me. Remember I said that no is also an answer from God. One of the greatest witnesses you can have is the way you cope with adversity. When people see people of God who have faced adversity and are praising God anyhow, it can have incredible impact on other people. The people who watch us, the people who watch the way we deal with things in life. Service is another discipline. Paul talks about. Paul suffered greatly for his service, but he was not afraid to boast about it. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. 
I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. In Paul's time, service often meant persecution, even death. It is believed that Paul was beheaded, although it's not mentioned in the scriptures. But he was not alone. Life was not easy for the original 12 apostles. We don't know anything about what happened with Thaddeus, but James was executed, killed by the sword. Peter was crucified, upside down, we believe. All of this is information that we have received from historians other than from the scriptures. Andrew was crucified in Greece. Thomas was, was pierced by spears. Philip was arrested and put to death for witnessing in Asia Minor. Matthew was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was serious with various accounts of his death, but he was a martyr for the gospel. James stoned and clubbed to death. Simeon was killed in Persia for refusing this, to sacrifice to the sun gods. And Matthias was put to death in Syria. The call to service is unlikely to result in pain and suffering for us today. But it does still involve sacrifice. For most of us, the sacrifice that we are called to make is either time or money. Now I'm not going to talk about money today other than to, to note that offerings are down by about 20% at the moment for this year. But time is the sacrifice that I want to talk about today. Sacrifice, service is the act of helping or doing work for someone. In this church we have a number of areas and we are very dependent on volunteers. We can't work without volunteers. The church would just not exist if people weren't willing to put up their hands. And so a discipline for service, the sacrifice that we need to be able to make is in time. Now I can speak about three of those things which I am personally involved with. Bub's Church, Mops Kids, Sound Desk and Projector. Bub's Church struggles to operate every Sunday because we don't have enough volunteers to go out there because a number of the people who do volunteer also do other things. They're involved in band or other things in the service. So it is a struggle to get people to put their hands up and be out there with the kids in Bub's church. So it means that maybe we need to stop Bub's church do it every other week so that people can get some time to be in the church service. 
mops kids. Mops kids also is an outreach of this church where we are trying to help mothers have some free time away from their children and so we need carers. And carers are people that will sit there and be with the children. We have so few people that sometimes we have to pull the mothers out from the, the meeting room where they have and so that they can monitor it. If we have 20 or 30 kids, we have a ratio that requires us to have four children to one adult. So if you do the sums and if you know that there are, say, seven people on the Bubs Church roster or seven people who look after the Mops kids, that means a huge frequency of times that people are going out there because you've got three, children, three, three adults going out there to look after the children in each of these cases and they're needing to do it all the time. On the sound desk and projector, we only have four people to do the sound, three people doing the projector. Two of the sound guys are septuagenarians who are technophobic. <laughs> Sorry, David, you don't mind me saying that you're a septu technophobic septuagenarian. <laughs> if we can do it, so can you. We need more people to volunteer for these things. And I'm sure that the same can be applied for the worship team. Are there people out here who have got a secret talent that they haven't let us know about, who can sing or play an instrument? Are there people out there who know how to work a computer? Two of the people who do the projector are kids who are still at school. And Charlie. That's all we've got. So you young people who know how to turn on a computer, maybe you could put your hand up occasionally to help us in these areas. Service does require a sacrifice. It does require a time. It does require us to step outside of our comfort zone. Dee talked to us last week about a veil that comes over our lives and the lies that tell us that, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that. But don't believe it, you can you can do it and you can help. So I would encourage you, have a look at the, the, the reports for next Sunday's service and be in prayer as we go through next week about areas that might be able to help. Have a look at the names that are on those lists and see how frequently the same name crops up. So if you're not helping... Please do, because we need as many helpers as we can. The final discipline I would like to talk about is spiritual friendship or mentor. A mentor is an experienced or trusted advisor. Now, I was blessed during my Christian walk to have had Two men who mentor me, Lindsay and Gary, they were, they were leaders of Bible studies that I did. As I was growing as a Christian, I, I took a couple of long-term Bible studies. One was the Bethel series. I don't know if anybody here remembers the Bethel series back in the, in the 70s and 80s. 
And that was run by a man called Lindsay. He was a man who was a real mentor. He guided us through the Bible for two years, meeting, meeting every week, going through the Bible for two years. And then Gary, I did Master Life a few years later. Gary was another inspirational man who took me in and mentored me and helped me grow as a Christian. And I'm eternally grateful for that. And I had a couple of spiritual friends as well, Stefan and Ron. These were men who would meet with me, we would pray together, we would read the word and we would encourage one another in our life. We would keep each other honest. Now I very much appreciate when we came here to this church and just after Matthew arrived, Richard Van Neerkirk, recognising that Matthew was just arriving to Australia, to a new culture. He'd been living in Taiwan for eight years and he was suffering a bit of culture shock and Richard tapped him on the shoulder and said, come, let's sit down, let's start having some meetings. And he was a real encouragement to me because sometimes kids can't necessarily share things, difficulties, so forth with their parents, but they can with another Christian friend and that's what's so important about having a Christian friend. Guys, you might not be able to talk to your dads, but you might be able to talk to somebody here. So important to be able to trust somebody, somebody that you can rely on. I was at a funeral on Friday and one of the guys who was giving a eulogy spoke of Frank and said that Frank was there for me and he helped, we used to try and keep each other honest and Frank kept me honest, or he tried to. That's something that's important that uh, somebody who can say that about somebody. Ladies, you might find that you can't talk to your mothers about the difficulties that you're having but you might be able to find another Christian woman in the church who can take you alongside, who you can sit there and you can share a problem with, you can pray with. So do that. Do that. We did a series last year about being a village. And we are a village. And it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise us up as members of that village. So as Christians, we can be strengthened, we can grow, we can be stronger by having a mentor, having somebody to be a spiritual guide. And it would be wonderful if we could be like Paul and we, Andrew mentioned a number of times in this series about how Paul, how great it would have been to be mentored by Paul. And Timothy was one of those people. And Paul reached into Timothy's life and was a huge encouragement to Timothy. Listen to what Timothy says. He says to Timothy in Timothy 2, or 2 Timothy 1, verses 2 to 9. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your mother, grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Seek a mentor. Seek a spiritual friend. Spend quality time with another Christian. Be prepared to learn and to lead. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you and to you. Expect these times to be of mutual benefit. And I was talking to Richard before about the work that he does with, did with Matthew and he meets with a few other guys. He said that it's a time... He really sees himself more as a disciple, a discipler and making disciples than being a mentor. But and he says that he gets as much back as he gives. So, we've finished. Being, a disi being disciplined is something that we all need to do. We can do this studying God's word. We can do this by spending time in solitude, getting away from the world and listening to God. We can hear God as we pray. We can pray for others and pray for ourselves, but mostly pray for others and give God the glory. We can be disciplined in service. We can reach out to our community. We can reach out into our own community and help by giving us time and our money. And we can also be blessed by being disciplined and by having a spiritual mentor, having somebody that can share with you your journey.